everybody, and welcome to Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery. Thank you for joining me on a Sunday. We're trying a bit of a different format now. We will be broadcasting our recordings live on our Facebook group, which is Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery. So if you want to join live, you can always go to Facebook, Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery, and I would love to have you in the group. Today, we're going to continue talking about practical tools to defeat depression. We're going to look at physical interventions. You know, when some people are um, feeling depressed or anxious or, or however they're feeling, um, they may want to work by adding in happy emotions. They may want to work by changing how they're thinking about things, changing their attitude, or they may want to start working by trying to get some more energy and feeling better physically. It really doesn't matter where you start with the interventions. Any positive change in your life is likely going to produce positive changes in every other area. So today we're going to talk about why physical interventions are important to recovery and happiness and explore different types of physical interventions. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell you to necessarily go to the gym or, you know, work out hard. That's not for everybody. So let's look at some different things. When we're talking about physical interventions, we're talking about anything that deals with the body, making the body happier, healthier, you know, functioning better. So there's a bunch of reasons why physical interventions are so helpful in treating depression and anxiety. Remember, when you're depressed, you're feeling hopeless, helpless, flat, apathetic, whatever you want to call it, um, lack of energy, difficulty sleeping, changes in appetite, you know, your body's just kind of out of whack. So how can physical interventions help? Well, some physical interventions release endorphins, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. Um, and we'll learn about this um, a little bit in each segment. But for example, um, certain foods that you eat increase your serotonin levels. Um, exercise can increase your endorphins. So there's a lot of different things that you can do. Physical interventions, especially ones that move your body, increase available oxygen in your blood, which helps with confusion and foggy head. And this can be anything from stretching and yoga, because we tend to breathe deeper when we're doing those things, to actual full-out exercise and playing with the dog and everything in between. Physical interventions have been linked to improvements in self-esteem, and they help you get your mind and thoughts and body reactions in sync. If you're sitting still and you're stressed out and your heart is racing and you're sweating, your body's going, okay, you know, I'm feeling like I'm working out or doing something, but you're not moving. I don't understand what's going on. So we find that when people are stressed out, if they move their body, so their body's more in sync with what everything else is doing, then they're also able to calm everything back down. It's kind of getting it back in sync. Physical interventions often put you in a place where you can engage with other positive people. You know, if you go out hiking, you're going to engage with people who typically are happy to be out on the trails. If you go to the gym, you know, we're not all thrilled to go to the gym, but generally those people that are there are positive influences. When you, if you go walking with your friend, you know, again, that may be putting you in a place where you're with a positive person. They can help you deal with general aches and pains, which can disrupt your sleep and put you in a bad mood. Um, now, over-exercise, that obviously is going to cause more aches and pains, but Mild exercise or stretching or some of these other interventions can help release some tension and balance out muscle imbalances, which can cause pain. They can help you turn down the stress response so you sleep 
better. You know, after you've had a long day, if you're stressed out and you're just like, ah, still, if you go home and you eat dinner and you go to bed and you're still like wound up, it's going to be harder to sleep. So if you go to the gym, even though going to the gym does nothing to solve the problems at work, it helps you burn through some of that adrenaline and cortisol so you can get your head in a different space and sleep better. And they can help increase your energy by increasing oxygenation and increasing your stamina. You'll have more energy and be clearer headed. So there's a lot of benefits to them. So we're going to start out with relaxation because that's, you know, a good one for a lot of people. When you're depressed, you may feel flat. You may not want to get off the, uh, off the sofa, out of the bed. That's not relaxed. That's fatigued. What we're talking about here is relaxation, which is calming your brain down and getting that uh, neurochemical GABA released, which helps deal with anxiety and helps you relax. Research has found that yoga produces significant improvements in tension, depression, anger, fatigue, and confusion with about 20 minutes every day or five days a week. Group or individual activities that you can do, you know, you can get a group of people together, you can do it with your family, you can do it with your kids, um, especially if you've got little kids, they love practicing yoga. Um, you can do a breath focus where you're focusing on what you're breathing in and you're breathing out. It's not difficult, but it encourages you to breathe through your diaphragm and breathe deeper, which can help calm you. When you slow that heart rate down, when you slow your respiration down, your body goes into a relaxation mode and will start secreting GABA. So deep breathing, it can help. Um, Cute progressive muscular relaxation is something else you can do. And that's beyond the scope of this discussion right now. Uh, but you can Google it. There are lots of scripts online for cued progressive muscular relaxation, which basically takes you from head to toe or toe to head, depending on which one you take, and encourages you to tense and relax your muscles and notice the difference between tense and relaxed, and then start noticing the tension going out of your muscles. And it's a way to try to help move that muscle tension out of your body. Meditation. Now, a lot of people, you know, kind of squiggle when I talk about meditation because it gets a bad rap. Um, there are 20, 30 different types of meditation that you can do. So just because you may not want to do the meditation where you sit cross-legged and repeat a single syllable, yeah, that's fine. There are a bunch of different other meditations that you can do. One I like to do is called the single focus meditation. And uh, you just find something outside yourself and focus on it for five minutes or so and just keep your focus there. And I'll look at the um, flame on a candle. That's, I've loved doing that since I was a little kid. I don't know why. Um, but that's one thing that you can do is a single focus meditation. Meditation quiets the mind. As Americans especially, I can't speak for other cultures, but our mind typically is going a million miles an hour and we're thinking about stuff we should have done, stuff we got to do, stuff we need to do right now, and emotions and everything else. When you're focusing on that candle flame or when you're doing some sort of meditation, you're shutting out all those thoughts. It's like going into a room and shutting the door and going, don't bother me for 10 minutes. So it's quieting your mind. It provides you a singular, all-encompassing, present focus. You're not thinking about yesterday or tomorrow. 
you're thinking about this flame right here right now 20 to 30 minutes of meditation per day produces consistent effects for anxiety and depression you know again a lot of times if we can calm our mind down and reduce some of that anxiety you get a little bit more energy back which will help with feelings of depression another thing you can do is consider adding a fish tank um, at home you know if you're a therapist you can add it in your waiting room they found that meditation you know that single focus meditation people who sit and watch fish swim for you know about 20 minutes tend to be calmer my son loved that when he was little he had a fish tank in his room and that's what he would do before he would go to bed every night was sit there and watch his fish swim and it helped him calm down now you want to choose the type of fish you know I would suggest not goldfish simply because they poop a lot and that's kind of gross when you're watching a fish swim by with a trail of poop hanging out um, but maybe that's just me <laughs> betas are really good um, and there's all, all kinds of other little fish but I've noticed that goldfish tend to poop more than others you can experiment with different types of meditation over several sessions and again this is something that you can google and learn about different types now exercise it had to come in here somewhere it is a physiological way of relaxing and improving mood Physical activity helps balance muscles, release muscle tension. It increases oxygen flow, which clears your brain, gives you more energy. Did you know a lot of people yawn not because they're tired, but because they're not getting enough oxygen? And it increases serotonin and improves sleep. Serotonin, the, our SSRIs, when you think of medications, when we increase levels of serotonin in some people, it helps alleviate depression but serotonin is also responsible for your pain threshold and your ability to sleep because melatonin is made by breaking down serotonin so it's really important to have enough serotonin in your system so think about 10 ways that you can make exercise fun and you know they can be inane like balloon toss we used to do this around our house when we lived in Florida so it never got too cold but some days it was you know 108 in the shade and none of us really wanted to go outside so you can do a balloon toss in your living room you can learn a new dance you can go on a nature walk you know, a lot of times if you're you know in a park where there's a lot of trees you're not going to have the Sun beating down on you so it's a lot more temperate but think about different activities you can do go out and play with the dog you know you don't have to be running and rolling and doing all that stuff just getting out and moving your body you know throwing that ball or whatever you're doing is going to give you more ac activity than sitting your butt on the couch so move exercise is movement that's all I'm talking about right now I'm not talking about necessarily starting a exercise program although research has shown that if you do it is good and it can enhance self-esteem as well as energy levels and improve your sleep okay um, stretching maybe you're not ready to exercise so much or maybe it's been a long day and you're just like oh I just can't see going out and walking after after dinner or something okay oh another way to exercise is to clean you can work up a good sweat mopping the floors but I digress stretching muscle imbalances cause additional pain and can impair sleep and mood as well as keep stress chemicals high when we're in pain our body says you're vulnerable when we're vulnerable it's triggering that threat response so when we're in pain we have more cortisol which means less serotonin 
and less quality sleep. None of those things are good. Imbalances between front and back or right and left can cause pain. Now, most of our things are front and back, like our biceps and our triceps or our quadriceps and our hamstrings, our abs and our low back. You know, those are pretty obvious. Um, your right and left has more to do with the muscles along your spine. And, you know, I have scoliosis, so in certain places, my left side is stronger, and in certain places, my right side is stronger. And they're constantly fighting this little war about to see who's going to be the strongest, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but that's what causes back spasms. So it's important to stretch. And if you're sitting at a desk, I don't want to get too loud. Um, if you're sitting at a desk typing all day, we tend to hunch over when we type. You know, you may start out sitting really well, but then you start to hunch as the day goes on. And you develop a lot of tension throughout your upper area. So it's really important if you've got a desk job, to, well, any job, to stretch. Um, so what do you want to stretch? You want to stretch your biceps and your triceps, your chest and your upper back. And those are easy, you know, press out and then press behind. Um, you want to stretch your abs and your low back your hamstrings and quadriceps, and your calves, and even your shins, your shins to the front of your legs where you get shin splints. There are lots of places online where you can watch little videos on this, but it's important to hit those major muscle groups. Hobbies can help you use up some of your nervous energy. I'm not a person who can sit still. You know, when we're watching TV, when, you know, in the evening, I can't just sit there and watch a television show. It is beyond me. So I'm either playing Scrabble or I'm crocheting or I'm, you know, doing something. And that's how I deal with my nervous energy, so to speak. Some people, you know, they don't want to sit still or, you know, they've had a long day. You can use hobbies like cooking or building things, planting, crocheting, reading, or writing a book, or photography or whatever, you know, does it for you. In order to help you get into a calm mind space, I find when I go out and I work in the garden and I start weeding, you know, I get into this sort of zen zone where I'm just looking for weeds. I can't, I'm not really thinking about anything else. I'm concentrating on finding the weeds. So I'm not thinking about anything else that's bothering me. And I feel better and more energized when I go inside. They can also help you get out some of your stress. Painting can be very cathartic. If you're painting something and you want to paint with broad strokes and really communicate your emotions, cool. You can be like me and you can go out and do yard work. You know, I go out and the higher my stress, the bigger the power tool that I use. And it makes me happy. You know, our, our yard can be very, very well manicured if I'm having a bad month. And construction. Now, I tend to be better at demolition because, you know, that's kind of where my skill set lies. But anything that involves moving your body or helping you do something so you're focused on something besides your stressors is going to help you relax. So I encourage you to try different hobbies. You know, some people like to do it one a week. Other people like to give a hobby a, a good shot and try it for a month. So whatever you like doing. You know, experiment with that. You can go to a lot of community education classes to learn different things. And um, places like Joanne Fabrics and I can't think of the other one, um, the, the bigger art, st uh, art supply stores often have free classes that you can take that will teach you cro crocheting or sewing or, or whatever. 
All right, so we've talked about moving our body. We've talked about exercise and relaxation and hobbies. Let's talk about nutrition because unless your body has the building blocks it needs to make the hormones and neurotransmitters that have to be there for you to feel happy, to feel sad, to feel stressed, to get good sleep, to feel pain, any of that stuff. You know, a lot of stuff that goes on in our brain, but it's all made from the proteins and foods that we eat. Taking vitamins is not a replacement for a healthy diet because vitamins are not in the same proportion that we find these different vitamins and minerals in nature. And they work, some work with each other and some work against each other. So, you know, it's important to try to get most of your foods or most of your nutrition from healthy foods. And obviously, you know, talk with a doctor or a, a dietitian before changing your nutritional regimen. Malabsorption syndrome, such as celiac disease, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis, can also cause vitamin B6 deficiency, which impairs serotonin production. So, again, I'm not suggesting that you start taking a B6 supplement at all. I'm suggesting that you talk to your doctor about it if you think that you have one of those syndromes, as well as concurrent depression, because it could be a nutritional imbalance that your doctor can help you address. Some biological causes of depression can be linked to poor nutrition, which keeps the body from being able to make the brain chemicals to support your mood. Another one of those um, things that we eat, you want to have good proteins because that's what serotonin is made from, but you also want to have sunlight. They found tons of vitamin D receptors in the areas of the brain responsible for mood, and they're not really sure how vitamin D impacts mood, but they know... Those receptors are there, so it must do something. You know, you like that. But about 15 minutes of sunlight three times a week is generally enough for your body to produce the vitamin D that it needs. If you're in a cloudy, rainy, dark area, you know, you may need more than that. Lack of sunlight, you know, even if you're getting that, that's, you know, 45 minutes of sunlight. We need more than that. Um, and it's not necessarily vitamin D deficiency. It could be that not getting enough sunlight is throwing your circadian rhythms out of whack. Because when it's bright outside, your body says, oh, it's time to be awake. And wakes up and does what it's supposed to do. When it starts to get dimmer, your body says it's time to get ready to sleep. I should start making melatonin and we're going to get sleepy. So if you wake up in the morning... And, you know, this happens to most of us during the winter and some of us more than that. You wake up in the morning, you get everything ready, you drive to work, you walk in the building, it's dark. And you stay inside all day and you don't really have any windows and you come out after work and it's already dark and you go home. Your brain never got that bright light, especially if you're in an area, maybe you work in a NICU or an office where it's a little bit dimmer. Um... It's a lot harder for your body to recognize that it's, it's daytime. Um, light therapy involves a very specific level of light. So bright light is great. But if you need light therapy for se seasonal affective disorder, there are very specific bulbs that can help. So anyway, back to nutrition. If you want to work on developing improved nutrition, create a menu. If you have them, and it doesn't have to be a gourmet menu, but you want to create a menu where you've got about three colors, a minimum of three colors at every meal, and that's not varying shades of white. 
this will help you figure out what to get at the store and then you can you know plan pizza has lots of colors in it you know is it the healthiest thing to eat for every meal no but if you like pizza having that once a week isn't necessarily probably going to be a bad thing um macaroni and cheese you know especially if it's not the powdered cheese it's actual cheese you know that's not such a bad thing you know at our house we throw peas in it so we've got the white from the macaroni the yellow from the cheddar and the green from the peas whatever it takes to help you get the colors in will help you eat a more nutritious diet once you start doing that you'll probably start feeling more energy another thing you can do if you have a family that kind of grumbles against green vegetables like mine does is figure out ways you can sneak them in um, you know we do a lot of lentil loaf because you know two of us are vegetarians and two aren't but uh, that's our substitute for meatloaf but lentils and there's a lot of tomato paste in there and we also will chop up green vegetables really fine like broccoli and mix them in there or throw in peas um, i grow kale and i'll saute that sauteed kale and um, sauteed sweet potato greens lose their bitter if you saute them just to the point of being bright green um, so those are two leafy greens that i can generally get my family to eat without having to hide them but you can look for different sauces and you know don't overdo it on the sauces but um you know a little bit of sauce can sometimes make things more palatable sleep is the time when your body rests and rebalances and i have a whole playlist on our youtube channel allceus.com youtube um, and the playlist is um, preventing vulnerabilities and i go into depth in all of these things but hitting the highlights lack of sleep results in your body being under stress because your body's like okay i'm not in pain but guess what i'm exhausted so i'm not as alert as i should be so that's a threat so it's going to increase cortisol levels to help us stay more alert and aware so it's important to develop a sleep routine three things and y'all know my favorite numbers three three things that you do every night before bed to cue your brain that it's time to start going to bed you know i will get in bed i will start playing scrabble and you know generally i dim the lights and those are the three things i do it's not brain surgery um you know i brush my teeth ahead of time maybe that counts in there somewhere but i do the same thing roughly every night so you know my body's used to what those cues mean and those can help you um, and figure out what helps you sleep some people sleep better when it's really cool in the room some people sleep better i know i like to have a blanket over me you know i like to have a heavy blanket over me even in the summer so you know having to balance that out they actually do have um something called weighted blankets now and they're light weight blankets in that they're not going to keep you super hot but they're weighted with little beans um washable plastic beans that give you more of a feeling of security it's really good for children with autism and certain sensory integration disorders um and for those of us who like the feeling of having a heavy blanket so those are things to consider antihistamines will help you get to sleep more quickly they will they'll knock you on your butt however the quality of sleep that you have while you are while the antihistamines are in your system is typically much worse than 
what you need. So it's a light level of sleep. You're getting more hours, but more hours does not equate to more rest. And alcohol also can help you get to sleep faster, but it can impair the quality of your sleep. And if you have sleep apnea, alcohol often makes sleep apnea worse. So, and even just people who snore a lot, it tends to make it worse because it slows down your respiration rate. Pain causes increased cortisol levels, impairs sleep, and for most of us, creates an irritable mood. And it can be caused by a variety of things, from injury, you know, out playing soccer and you twist your knee, or illness, um, you know, you have an ear infection or a toothache, or muscle imbalances and pain. And a lot of us are guilty of carrying something, whether it's our briefcase or our purse or our backpack. I know when I was in college, I always had my backpack slung over one shoulder. So we end up walking around with one shoulder way higher than the other one. Now, can you see the muscle imbalance here? And I'm only exaggerating a little bit because when that backpack gets heavy, we tend to exaggerate. So it's important to balance out both sides and either um, have both straps or carry it half the time on the other side if you have to. That can help. Incorrect exercise habits. I see people at the gym, and it just kills me, um, who are just gung-ho on the bench press, and they are doing chest like nobody's business, but I never see them do back. And if you get the chest muscles strong, eventually they're going to start pulling in, and that back's going to be going, I can't compete, and start spasming. Um, Oversimplified, but you get the point. Same thing with hamstrings and quadriceps. If you work your hamstrings, great. Um, but if you don't also work your quadriceps, then, or um, I said that backwards, if you work your quadriceps, great. If you don't also work your hamstrings, then you could have some explosive force with your quadriceps that overwhelms your hamstrings and causes, causes a hamstring tear. So anyway, when you exercise, just like when you stretch, balance front and back. You don't have to do them on the same day. If you want to do chest one day and back the next, that's fine. Um, but you do need to make sure you're working out agonist and, agonist and antagonist. Repetitive physical labor can also cause muscle imbalances. And this is kind of like incorrect exercise habits. Um, I live on a farm, and I'm often shoveling mulch and then pushing a wheelbarrow and dumping it. And I tend to shovel, you know, this way. And dump this way so I'm always turning towards the left and always using this hand to push so I get imbalanced so I have to force myself to think okay you know we need to shovel the other way now and it feels really awkward at first um, but if you only do it one way then you're going to end up causing yourself pain warehouse workers have the same problem because a lot of people who work in a warehouse pick things up and twist and put stuff on the conveyor belt or into the truck the same way every time so from right to left is often the way people go it's important to try to also do left to right if you can and if you can't do it at work for some reason because it slows your productivity or whatever practice it at home so you can balance out those muscles poor ergonomics sitting at your desk um, is one thing that can cause poor Poor ergonomics if you don't have a good desk. I sit crisscross applesauce a lot, um, which is not the best for ergonomics. Um, so I recently started sitting on a ball. And well, there it went. Um, except for what I'm teaching. 
sitting on a ball forces you to engage your stabilizer muscles and it's harder to get sloppy in your posture when you're sitting on a ball and they make chairs they make balls like that that have little legs on them so they're not as rolly around um, but that can help making sure that your feet are on the floor and the monitors are at the right distance and all that stuff you can go online and look for desk ergonomics to find out you know what measurements should be what for you your sofa is a place we don't often think about ergonomics but if you spend much time sitting on the sofa watching tv you want to make sure you have a supportive sofa um, i tend to gravitate towards the easy chair just because it has the low back support and everything um, and the dogs aren't as likely to overwhelm me on the easy chair but you know wherever you're sitting make sure it's comfortable if you're laying there and you're getting your neck all kinked up then it's probably going to bother you and in bed most of us do not sleep correctly um, if you if you ask uh, a chiropractor we want to make sure that when you're sleeping in bed that your neck is supported it's not going down like if you're sleeping on your side and it's not overly cranked up you want your spine to be in alignment when you're sleeping so if you sleep on your side that means you may need a pillow between your knees um, if you sleep on your back you want to make sure that you have enough neck support for your head if you sleep on your stomach you know there's other things so again you can google um, ergonomics for sleeping or sleeping ergonomics or ask your chiropractor or your doctor about it getting a mattress that is adequate to support you without throwing you out of alignment is also helpful if you've ever been camping you know how you wake up in the morning and you're a little bit achy because you've been sleeping on the hard ground and you know that's fine every once in a while but because the ground doesn't give it doesn't support you the same way that a mattress can and stress can cause muscle imbalances because we hold a lot of us hold our stress in our neck and our upper back so when we get stressed you know it starts causing pain that we need to stretch out or work out or get a massage so interventions for pain besides drugs remember that most pain relievers um, your over-the-counter pain or uh, prescription pain relievers are opiates um, opiates tend to slow you down opiates will exacerbate feelings of depression in most people so just be aware of that tens units transcutaneous electronic nerve stimulation sounds awful it's great um, you can actually buy these units over the counter now and it just feels like somebody's kind of tapping on you like this but it bombards the muscle ending or the nerve endings with um, the stimulation so it quits sending the pain signals to the brain you know it's kind of like a little kid you're trying to have a conversation and a little kid is pulling on your on your jacket going mommy 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 and at a certain point you can't focus on this conversation here because you're focusing on this little kid pulling on your jacket same sort of thing your brain can't focus on the pain signals and the stimulation at the same time so you're kind of overriding it a hot tub or heat heating pad that can work for some people um, ice is a great thing I love ice um, because it can sort of numb that area and it often reduces inflammation alternating heat and ice is a great way to push out inflammation after that acute phase of the injury but check with your doctor before you do that stretching you know if you've got back tension you know stretching can help 
because you're forcing those muscles to kind of relax for a minute. Muscle rebalancing is what we've been talking about, making sure that, you know, if you've got one side that's too strong and it's competing with the other side, then if you balance them out, they'll quit competing and that weaker side will not spasm. Massage, great thing, can help work out those kinks. Guided imagery, and there's a lot of guided imagery that you can find, again, online and also in, in the book, 101 Plus Practical Tools to Defeat Depression. Um, but thinking about angels, if you've got tension in your back, thinking about angels rubbing out the knots in your back, or focusing on an entirely different body part, or focusing on the warmth of your blood going to that area that's sore and nourishing it so it can heal. A lot of different things. And stress reduction. Anything you do for stress reduction will help increase serotonin levels. Serotonin is one of our moderators of pain. It, it is intimately involved in pain perception. So if you have more serotonin, you'll feel less pain. That's always good. Um, stress reduction also reduces muscle tension. So not only are you increasing your pain tolerance, but you're reducing the cause of the pain to begin with, so you have a bonus there. A healthy body is necessary to feel your best emotionally. Brain chemicals that help you feel happy and relaxed are created from the foods you eat. You need to eat good proteins. They don't have to be animal proteins, just good proteins, um, and get enough of the variety of vitamins and minerals. Sunlight sets your circadian rhythms so you get quality sleep and helps your body produce vitamin D, which helps relieve depression. Exercise, stretching, and yoga can all help increase the happy chemicals and reduce pain and improve sleep. But remember that pain is a fact of life. So think about the best way for you to deal with pain. There are many options other than drugs that you can consider that may help you manage your pain, not just for the moment when you've got that medication in your system, but actually make it go away so it quits bothering you. Other videos, like I said, if you go to our um, YouTube channel, allceus.com slash YouTube, we have a playlist called Preventing Vulnerabilities. Real, there's a whole hour in depth just on sleep and another one just on nutrition and another one just on pain management. So if any of these sound like reasonable options to help you out, by all means, check them out. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Join our Facebook group at docsnipes.com slash Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash education, Or join our community and access additional resources, including the book before it's actually released, at docsnipes.com. Thank you.